welcome to the Hope City Church podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. Jen, come on up here. We're going to continue our message on, um, let me give this to you. Hang on, excuse me, man. There you go. <laughs> We're going to continue part two of our message on marriage. Do you have, you have a microphone? I do. Um, oh, these chairs are so comfortable. Nice, hard wooden chair. You know what? This just gives us motivation to get chairs for the camera back there, Terry. Terry has to sit on this chair all the time. Um, all right, there you go. Get yourself organized. Can you talk for a second while I open my computer? Yeah, my I can. IPad? So how is your week? No, I'm just kidding. Um, it's so awesome to be doing part two of this. We actually, surprisingly, I shouldn't say surprisingly, though, there was a lot of feedback about the first session, and I think... Perhaps maybe you and I speaking together, maybe that's something new. And um, yes. yeah, so we, we've been waiting. A lot of people have been asking, when are you doing part two? When are you doing part two? And I feel like maybe we shouldn't tell people who's preaching when or when we're doing what so that people just come every Sunday so they're not just showing up for the, the messages that they want to hear. But we're really excited just to get into part two. And actually, you're probably just going to start preaching what you were going to do last time. Because you didn't even get into yeah, your we notes didn't, yet. No, we didn't even really get there. We, I'm not really sure what happened last time we were sharing. It was the Lord. Just, it was share time. It was show and <laughs> we tell. Just, we just went on a rabbit trail that lasted both services, and we never really got to. A Holy to, Spirit rabbit trail. I mean, trail. We, got, we got through part of it. And yeah. so I just want to recap a little bit. Uh, if you've been with us for a while, uh, last week we didn't talk about this because you spoke, and it was Mother's Day last week. The week before that, Pastor Adrian shared, but we've been in a service, a series called People. You got to love them. And we've been talking about people, how people are awesome, aren't they? And when I say people are awesome, I think we all know what I'm saying. Like People can be truly awesome, and people can truly be not awesome at the same time. Are we on the same page about yeah. that? Sometimes we just like love people, and sometimes people are the, the hardest things we ever have to deal with. We were in a, some meetings in Edmonton this week, and a man was preaching. And he was talking about the church and, and about how, like, it was, it was a pastor's meeting. And he was talking about basically the hardest part about pastoring and working in a church and, and doing that kind of work is people. But if there were no people, there'd be no church. There'd be no need for a pastor. That's right. be there. So people are necessary. We can't get through life without people. But people, and this is why we've been talking about this series, it's people will be your biggest struggle and frustration in life. People will be your greatest grace growers. Totally. Let's say it that way. Instead of calling them frustrations, people will be the thing in your life that allow Christ to have the greatest room to work inside of you, to mold and shape you into his character. Right. Yeah. And inside of that, marriage is a whole nother level of dealing with people. Yeah. You know, marriage is... The taking of two separate people. Very different separate people. I've, I've been thinking about this a lot. Me and Jen could not be farther apart in who we are in personalities. But we've been dressing a lot alike <laughs> lately. <laughs> yeah. We got in the car this morning, and uh, I, I don't go 
for the most part, in the bedroom Sunday mornings. I just give Jen her space to get ready. I don't require a lot. It's not like I need a mare to do, like, do my hair and, like, all that kind of stuff. So I get my clothes. We have to leave real early, like most, like some of us in here do. We have to leave early. And so I get my clothes ready the night before, and we have another bathroom downstairs that I'll take a shower in and get, get ready. But I leave Jen alone. And so we get in the car lately a lot of services, and we'll get in the car, and we haven't really seen each other too much that morning. Holy Spirit. And we're, like, dressed the same. I was even thinking about it because we're wearing, like, the same colored shoes. Yep. It's, yeah. it's the spirit. These shoes would look cute on you. Well, <laughs> I'll give it a go if you want me to. <laughs> uh, so me and Jen could not be farther apart in personalities. And so marriage is literally the taking of two people and uniting them in a covenant. Listen. We believe as followers of Jesus that marriage is a covenant that you make before God. It's not just a legal contract. It's not just, it's not something we do um, to satisfy the government requirements, regulations. Yeah, we have those things. We fill out papers when people get married. Jess and Reese are getting married soon. and, And when they get married, there's legal papers we fill out and sign and they go to the government. And the government says, this couple is married. But that's one part of it. But for us as followers of Jesus, the big part is the covenant that is made between two people when they come together and so in that covenant you're taking two people and and uniting them as one before the lord and that can be incredibly (laughs) grace-filled i was gonna say amazing can be incredibly amazing it can be a lot of work it can be a lot of struggle. It can be a lot of joy. There's a whole lot of things that it could be. And so marriage is taking of these two people. And I want to say this. Listen, if you're not married here today, we're going to look in 1 Corinthians 13. And you can, you can learn from this message right. about what love looks like. We're going to talk about what love is. And if, if you're, you're past, like say you, you, you're not going to ever get married again, you can learn about love. If you're not married yet, but one day you will be married, then you can learn and listen about this because this is stuff that will apply to you that you need to know for the future. And I want to say to the people who are married here right now, listen, as married people, you are setting a role, an example for the people in your life. If you've got kids, your kids are absolutely learning everything that you do as a married couple, and that's what they will take into their future marriage. So marriage is, is a learning tool where you're teaching your kids about this is what we believe about marriage. This is how we think married people should act and respond to each other. This is what we think marriage should look like. And when your kids get up, when they grow up and they get married of their own, do you know whose marriage their marriage is going to look like? Yeah, shocker. It's going to look just like your marriage. You need to be aware of that. You need to remember that. So I want to tell you, I want to read the marriage definition from Webster's 1828 again for you so much because I love this so much. This translation is so good. And marriage in Webster's 1828 In the modern translation, it says nothing useful. It says the state of being united. (laughs) But in Webster's 1828 dictionary, it says marriage, the act of uniting a man and a woman for life. Wedlock, the legal union of a man and woman for life. Notice how he keeps saying for life. Marriage is a contract both civil and religious by which the parties engage to live together in mutual affection and fidelity till death shall separate them. Marriage was instituted by God himself for the purpose of preventing the promiscuous intercourse of the sexes, for promoting domestic felicity, 
and for securing the maintenance and education of children. Amen. That's what Noah Webster said in the year 1828 about what marriage looks like. So that's what we're going to talk about today, marriage. Uh, and I want you to open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I have the New Living Translation. What translation do you have? Uh, anyone I want. Wow. Modern technology. So as I was getting ready for this, I looked up online. So the, the divorce rate in Canada is still about 50% of marriages will end in divorce. First-time marriages. Second-time marriages, it is uh, 60%. And then third marriages, if those fail, then third Third-time marriage people is about 73% of those marriages fail. Uh, I looked up what the four most common causes were. So there's a bunch of causes that you can look and find, and a bunch of studies done, but the four most common causes of all those studies say that here are the four most common causes that marriage fail. Okay, so listen. These are important things to know and listen to because you, as you hear them, you can say, am I doing this in my relationship? Do, do I do these things? So number one, lack of commitment. Number two, infidelity or an affair. Number three is too much conflict and arguing. People just say, I've had it. We, all we do is fight. It's not worth this hassle. It's not worth this struggle. Let's just separate. We obviously don't love each other. And the, and the fourth thing is lack of physical intimacy, like just not having sex, not being intimate with each other. And, and people say, I, this is who I am. This is what I need, so I'm going to find it somewhere else, which then leads to uh, infidelity or affairs. So you see this circle. So these are the four most common causes of people being separated. Now, if you look at those things... Those four things really are just a lack of love, right. just a lack of selflessness, like a lack of commitment. What is that? Selfishness. I just can't commit to somebody. Infidelity or an affair, what is that? You've gone outside of the covenant you made and went and found somebody else to satisfy your own needs, which again is selfishness. Too much conflict and arguing. What is that really at the core? You just have to be right. I'm going to keep arguing because I want to be right about this. I want, I want you to know that I'm smart. I want you to know that I'm the right one in this relationship as opposed to just shutting up sometimes. Right. Sometimes we, we, like, we have conversations that are passionate. Warm conversations. Did you say warm? Yeah. They're not. Warm, warm to hot conversations. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes when we have these conversations, I, I or Jen just has to at some point just shut up. Just right. shut up. It, yeah. do, it doesn't even matter. It doesn't matter who's right right now. What matters is the unity and the harmony in our home. Yeah. And so there are times when literally uh, I could, I could if, maybe you've been here before where you're having an argument or a, a nice warm conversation. Let's say that. Let's, not say, let's, say, let's say arguments. Who's had warm conversations with their significant other before? Warm to hot. War, warm to heated. <laughs> warm. Yeah. Okay. So you have those conversations. And at some point, you'll say to yourself, it doesn't matter about being right in this conversation. What matters is I just need to close my mouth and shut up and let this person think they're right. Even, even if I am right. We've had many conversations where Jen has been right, I'm sure, and where I know, I know that I was right in what we were talking about. And I just say, you know what? Honestly, I, I don't say this out loud because it never goes well if you say it out loud because then it looks like you're being self-righteous and arrogant. And so in my mind, I say to myself, honestly, it doesn't even matter. It's not worth this. I'm just going to end this conversation so that we can move on and restore some unity and harmony. Right? Totally. 
And just to add to that, as I'm thinking about like warm to hot, and I was, you know, obviously being funny about that, it's like it can lead like to warm to hot to rage to explosion, right? It's just like bang, crash, boom, right? Things just blow up. But then as you're talking about love, and I know you're going to get into this a little bit deeper, is like the love of the world will say like, if you do this, I'll do that. You know, and it's based off of performance, but we all know that the love of God is not based off of performance. If you treat me badly, I'm going to love you anyway, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So when, as we're leading into the Holy Spirit, and I don't want to go too deep too yet or too deep too quick, um, is that there's a warm to hot, okay, um, to really hot that can lead us into the crucible, into the furnace, okay, to refine us and make us more like Jesus in that moment. So I have some tools in a little bit in a minute to give us um, to, you know, how to get to that place of not hot to rage to the flesh, but that hot to refining that will lead us into the Holy Spirit, you know, and becoming more like Jesus. Yeah, because when you're in those moments, There's two kinds of hots. Yeah, what do you want? <laughs> well, your flesh will take you to that. To that, you know, your RPMs are like way up in the red, and you should like shift gears. And really, guys, that's when the Spirit of God wants to step in and say, "Okay, how are you going to act right now?" it's easy to be married when everything is great. It's easy to be married when there's no pressure, when the kids aren't driving you crazy, when you're having sex, when everything's awesome and great and the, the sun is shining and there's rainbows constantly in the, in the sky. You're like, this is amazing. This is easy. No problems there, right? Like all your bills are paid. Your fridge is full. Like you don't have to worry about anything. It's when you're in those moments right. of hot conversations right. when you're, you can either go like, I'm going to keep redlining my engine and my engine's going to blow and it's going to be bad or I'm going to allow the Spirit of God to guide and direct right. me, and I'm going to allow uh, the, the character of Christ to be formed inside of me and save what could be a potentially dangerous situation. Right. So really, we look, at, we look at these things like we have to avoid conflict. We have no. to avoid these conversations. But it. really, it's in those moments yeah. when the character of Christ is really going to be formed in you if you will allow and surrender and yield yourself to the Spirit of God. And maybe that's a part three. Maybe is about leaning into conflict, not running away from it. And what's on the other side of conflict, if we'll lean into it by the Spirit of God, is the intimacy that we all need. Amen? Don't tell me what to do. <laughs> <laughs> we're on a good, we're on the right track. <laughs> okay, First Corinthians 13. Uh, now here's what I, here's what I want to talk about today. We're going to read through 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 to 8. We'll look at verse 13 as well. The Apostle Paul, Paul wrote this chapter, and, you know, at some point in almost every marriage ceremony, this passage of Scripture is quoted. I think you talked about how we used to, like, use this when we were in um, high school. Me and Jen have known each other since I was 10 and Jen was 11. And as our way of, like, Christian flirting, I guess, we would... <laughs> We would, hold we, each the Bible. we would hold each other accountable. We'd be like, well, that's not what 1 Corinthians 13 says love is. Love is this. Love is that. And so we've all read this passage. We probably, many of us probably have like pictures framed in our houses with this scripture like written out somewhere hanging, hanging on the hallway or in the bedroom or somewhere. Am I right? Yeah. We've all seen this somewhere. Crocheted on a pillow. Crocheted on a pillow. <laughs> uh, but here's the thing. Paul wrote this, and we're going to go through it, and there's, 
there's a few things that the Bible, that Paul says love is, and there's a whole bunch of things that Paul says love is not. Now, if we're honest, we could all write extensive lists about what love is not. Right. We could think about our spouse. We could think about somebody else. Well, love is not this and love is not. And you could go through the decades of your life and be like, well, I remember this one time they did this and that is not love. And you could write this long, long list of all the things that love is not. But I believe that today the Spirit of God wants us to focus on the things that love is. And if you focus on the is and not the is not, here's what's happening. As you begin to focus on what love is, it drowns That's out right. the noise of the is not in your life. Do you understand what I'm saying? We all, it's like we're wired. We live in a world where we're wired to think about what love is not and how you are treating me and all the wrong you've done to me and how you've hurt me over and over and over again. And we focus on those things and we fixate on those things. But the Spirit of God wants to say to us today that if we begin to focus and live our lives in and through what love is, the things that love is will drown out the noise of all the is not you feel that has been done to you in your life. And those things will have no power and authority so in good. your marriage any longer. Amen. So good. So we're going to focus on what love is today. So we're going to read through the first few verses. And you jump in whatever you I will. Yeah. Just bonk me on the head with your microphone when you're ready. Mm -hmm. Twink. Twink. First Corinthians 13. I'm in the New Living Translation. Please don't knock that off. <laughs> it says this, Paul's talking, he says, If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but I didn't love others, I'd be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gifts of prophecy, and if I understood all God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I'd be nothing. If I gave everything I had to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Right. Then he goes on here in verse 4, and I want you to pay attention. He says, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It doesn't demand its own way. It's not irritable and keeps no record of being wrong. See how he just begins to go into this list of all these things that love is not? So easy. And instantly, I imagine many of our minds are saying, yep, that's right. Love is not those things. I know that for a fact. I've experienced this. Verse 6 says, it doesn't rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and a special knowledge will come become useless, but love will last forever. Amen. So there's four things here that I want to look at together about what love is. So right off in verse 4, he says, love is patient. Love is patient, okay? I want to tell you what that word is in the Greek so you understand. Because patient doesn't just mean, like, I'll, I'll wait around for a few minutes. It means a bit more than that. And it's important for us to know these things so that we can understand what Paul was really talking about and get that into our hearts and lives. So the Greek word is makrothumia, and it means this, long-suffering. It comes from two words, makros, which means long, and thumos, which means wrath or anger. So the idea is that it takes you a long time to get angry or mad. And he goes on, it says, to suffer long, be long-suffering, as opposed to 
hasty anger or punishment, to forbear, to endure patiently, as opposed to losing faith or giving up, to tarry and to delay. Macrothumia involves exercising understanding and patience towards persons. We have a very small meaning of what the word patience means. Yeah. But I love the Greek language because when they translate it into English for us, we get our English words. But English isn't a very in-depth language. And what I love about the Greek is it gives you a full idea and expression of what this is really supposed to look like in your life. And I love the very end here where it says it involves exercising and understanding or exercising understanding and patience toward persons that means it's something you have to step into right you've got to work this you've got to say i right now i could be very angry but i'm going to choose to walk in macrothumia and i'm going to exercise (laughs) patience toward this person right do you have any thoughts about that yeah yeah i've got a few um but i'm going to back up a little bit And just when he was opening up and he was talking about love is married couples, all of us in the room, you know, if you're doing life with people, which we all are doing life with people, um, because if you were here, you are, you know, it's proof that you are doing life with people, is that we have to put on love every single day. Just like putting your clothes on, that we need to intentionally be clothed in love every single day. And one of the ways that we do that every single day, when do you put your clothes on? in the morning, right? When do we put our garment of love on? We should put it on in the morning as we're spending time, you know, with, with the Lord is that we know that God is love, amen? The Bible says that God is love so that when we're spending time with the Lord, as we're spending time in his presence, as we're spending time in worship, that we are, we are allowing the one who is love become love in a greater measure inside of us. And I've said this a lot lately, is that it takes something, something to live in 2023. It's going to take something, something even more in 2024, you know, and as the battle rages on, you know, the enemy comes to steal, kill, okay, and destroy, but we know that Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly, that we have to live very soberly and aware in this hour that we are in, you know, is that the battle is for love, so that we have to be mindful to put that garment on. So Paul said in Colossians 3, 12 to 15, therefore, as you, the elect of God, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with with hearts of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with one another and forgive um, any complaint that you may have against someone else. Forgive us, the Lord forgave you. And above all these virtues, put on love, which is the bond of perfect unity. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts for this. You were called as members of one body and be thankful. So I can think any time that I've lost, um, you know, last night was a perfect example. You know, I was dealing with some stuff. Like, you know, so, you know some of you might know is that I lost one. Of, you know, I didn't lose. But um, one of my best friends from high school, she passed away. You know, and I'm one of those um, a few weeks ago. But we, their celebration of life service was Friday. And I'm one of those people where things will hit me later. You know, not in the moment. I seem very fine in the moment because people can be like, oh, you're really strong and you're really resilient. Yeah, well, you didn't see me two days later, you know. And, like, so, like, last night I could, you know, we were... It was warm. I'll just say it was warm. It was warm, you know, but in, the, in that moment, I was mindful. I was trying to, like, charge my computer. I'm like, I'm trying to get away. I'm trying to get away. I know I need to get along with Jesus. You know, I knew, you know, that I needed to get some love on. We all knew. <laughs> <laughs> I, needed to, I needed to get some, some love on, you know. Um, 
But in those moments, what are we going to do? You know, so he's talking about love is patient, is that, you know, any time that you, in, in a marriage, um, in a marriage relationship, any time that I feel myself losing patience with Jake or vice versa, think about as a Holy Spirit set up, okay, for God to perfect himself in us. And you're like, well, I'm not really thinking that in the moment, that this is a Holy Ghost setup. You know, anytime you're going through a season in life, you know, you're going, maybe some of you are going through a season right now where you're really having to trust in God. Just be like, you know what, Lord, what are you trying to teach me? You know, what are you trying to, you know, what areas in my life are you trying to grow me in? In James 1, 2, it says, my brethren... Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. patience. The testing of your faith produces patience. But it says, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And we said this in the first, um, in the first segment of, of talking about marriage, is that marriage is a Holy Ghost setup for each of us to become more like Jesus. Right. Amen. You know, so, so I just want to just encourage you in those moments, you know, when you're feeling impatient or, you know, and, and the enemy has a really good way of making something small really big. And you're just kind of like, that's it. I've had it. Our marriage is over. It's like, it's in, you know, like the enemy gets in and you're just like, we're done, you know. But if you could, in Jesus' name, in those moments, remember this. Okay, this is a Holy Ghost setup for me to practice patience and to become like Jesus. So first of all, I'm going to count it all joy. Amen. You know, a lot of us, who, who knows what the happiest animal on the planet is? Anybody? I read your notes. Nobody, Sorry, nobody knows what the happiest planet, animal planet is? Animal planet, but planet. You've said this before in church. Maybe I have. Yep. They say it's a goldfish. <laughs> How do they actually know? Did you talk to him? <laughs> yeah, they, they talked to him. They, they hooked little sensors up as they float around. They don't electrocute them. But it's because goldfish have 10-second memories. You know, and a lot of us, if we were more like goldfish in a certain way, we'd be a lot better. But here's the thing. Okay, obviously, like, I'm, I'm making a joke. But many of us insist on carrying our hurts and our wounds forward with us everywhere we go in our relationship. And so you'll hang on to stuff. Well, I know that 12 years ago you said this, and I've never forgot oh, what you said so to me in that moment. You guys. But yeah. if we were more like a goldfish yeah. and we let so go good. of those things, those hurts and those wounds. And listen, I, I, I'm not saying that it's easy because I, we've been married. This year it will be 26 years we've been married. So there are things that, that each of us have to deal with and walk through that the other has done to the other person. Not intentionally, obviously. But there's things that we have to let go and give to God. And if we let go of those things, instead of hanging on to them, we'll be a whole lot more happier in our marriage and our relationship because we're not hanging on to past hurts and wounds. Yeah. More goldfish, less human. Right. Come on. Can I add to that too? And Please. I just I wrote this down. It says, Your spouse isn't perfect. What? And I guess what? You're not perfect. perfect either. Jake isn't perfect. I am. I disagree right now. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not perfect either. And I you wrote down are. Here. We're both perfect. <laughs> no, we are not. No, we are not. Your forgiveness to them is evidence of God's love working in you and through you. Um, oh, what did I write here? Um, but our willingness to forgive is one of the greatest evidences of Christ and him living within us. Amen. If we want marriages that go to another level of anointing 
and power. We need to practice the way of love and forgiveness. Amen. Anytime we choose unforgiveness, we are choosing to forget the price that Jesus Christ paid for us on the cross. I'm going to say that again. Anytime, you know, if I'm making a, a conscious choice not to forgive Jake in any situation, I'm making a conscious choice to forget the price that Jesus Christ paid for me on the cross. And some of us, we need a resurrection in our marriages. Amen. You know, but, but we know that one of the great paradoxes is that from death comes life, right? And in those moments, like in the, especially in the area of forgiveness, because there's a lot of wound, woundedness in marriages, there's a lot of woundedness in the body of Christ, there's just a lot of woundedness, obviously, in the world. But through that sacrifice of like, you have really hurt me, and some of us shared a bit of our story in the first session, and if you didn't hear that, you can go online and listen to that. But you've really hurt me, but I'm going to forgive you because it's the right thing thing to do. And I'll tell you too, in those moments of great pain, you might not even want to, but you're just doing what the word of God says. And just do what the word of God says is that the grace and the mercy and the healing will come after you forgive. Amen. But through that forgiveness, it's like it produces, it crushes me. It crushes me when I have to forgive someone when it really hurts. But when it crushes me, that's when the brokenness releases the grace of God for there to be healing. And there's a resurrection that can come from that. Amen. So some of us, we need a resurrection in our marriage. And I want to say to you in Jesus' name, forgive them. Because out of that death in you will produce the life of Jesus. That's absolutely right. Right? And that's part of that process of the two becoming one. That's right. It's, it's, I don't know what we think. when we. I, I think Hollywood has tricked us for many, many years. And we think uh, we're going to get married and we're going to live happily ever after. But the truth is, is the process of taking two separate people yeah. and making them into one is incredibly painful, mm-hmm. uh, awkward, and hard, where you're trying to take two different, different people and make them into one. And that's where, if you're hanging on to those hurts and wounds, it becomes even more painful. It's in letting go of those things and giving them to God that he becomes the the salve and the glue that holds you together, right? He's the third person in your marriage. It's you and your spouse and then the Lord that's there. And he is that grace that comes and enables you to walk together as you walk in forgiveness. Right. And just like, I'm going to have you remember the first session. Oh, holding my hand up. No, we're going to do it for a minute. (laughs) Is that like we made a covenant before the Lord. And in that covenant is Jesus. And in that covenant testifies of grace. And I want to say to you today, and to those of who will be listening after, there might be a lot of pain. There might be a lot of hurt. But because Jesus is between you, there's a lot more grace. That's right. Amen? Yeah. There's a lot more grace in Jesus' name. Amen. Let him who has ears to hear, hear. Amen? Amen. Hear what the Spirit is saying. Um, okay. I got three more things that I wanted to say real quick, so I'm going to try and... You got 42 seconds. Yeah, okay. 40, 40 seconds, nah. 39 seconds, 38 what is time? Let's time is a social construct, Let's do a philosophy guys. class. What is time? <laughs> uh, okay, so love is, love is patient. Then he says love is kind. Um, the Greek word is... Christ you almehi. Thank you. <laughs> and it means this, useful... To be kind, obliging, willing to help or assist. And I realized, I, just as we were sitting here talking, Jen as a person, Jen as a person needs a lot of help in life. She, she not, not like, <laughs> like she, she. I still have a microphone. 
You said, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, like, you love to be helped. Like, if we were billionaires, Jen would have a full-time assistant. I would not. Yes, you would. Who would do oh everything. Yeah. She just, she, she likes people to help keep her organized. She needs, but see, Jen likes his help. But then I realized Jen has this thing where she will walk around the house and she says it all the time oh. in conversations. What is it you say, babe? Oh, Kindness. <laughs> Kindness. And I just realized what you're really saying. Kindness That's means right. to be useful, to be kind, obliging, willing to help or assist. And so Jen, all the time, literally, guys, it's actually a joke. You can it ask, you can ask Ella, you can ask Josiah, you can ask Sydney. Jen will always, in the middle of a conversation, when she doesn't think you're you're doing something that she wants, she just smiles at you like this big cheesy smile and says. Kindness. Yes. And it's so, honestly, it's so infuriating. But listen. <laughs> but in that moment, it's a chance for me to walk in the love of Christ. But here's, I want to read you these synonyms for what kindness means in the Greek as well. Uh, it also means to stand beside, to help, to be a partaker of, to aid, to act beneficially, to do good, or to bestow a benefit, to do good to, to be profitable, and to benefit. So when it says kind, love is kind, this is the idea of what kindness looks like to that person. Right. So love is patient, love is kind. Then it goes on here, and it's, yeah, please. Um, I think it was about five years ago when, you know, we first started coming here. I preached a message on kindness, actually. And if you study that, we're just to go a little bit deeper because you're talking about it in the Greek, is that the word kindness is so powerful that it actually has the power to change the atmosphere. Yeah. You know, so in those moments, you know, like you said, it's not about being right. But if you can in that moment find the strength of God, find the grace of God deep and down inside of you, which you can, we can, in Jesus' name. Because the Bible says that a kind word turns away wrath. You know, in those moments is that we all possess the, the power of the Holy Spirit. One of the fruits of the Spirit, right, is that we can, we can in Jesus' name, you know, release the power of the Spirit through kindness and change the atmosphere in any given moment. We need to be aware of this, that we actually have that, you know, the power not to go to the red line, but to diffuse that in Jesus' name, through kindness. Kindness. <laughs> so love is patient, love is kind. Verse 7 says this, love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. I want to say it this way, love is a believer. Too often today, people are ready to throw in the towel and give up. I don't trust you. You did this. I'm, I'm losing my hope in you. I'm losing my confidence in you. I'm losing my faith in you. But love is a believer. Love will stand the test of time. It says love, it never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful. In every circumstance, love is always hopeful. Kelly was praying during, during pre-service prayer this morning, and one of the things that she was praying about is that people who had lost hope in their spouse, that hope would be restored. Amen. Love is always helpful, even in the worst of days. There's been bad days. There's bad days in every relationship. There's been bad days. But even in the worst days, you're able to say, I still have hope in this person. Yeah. Love is a believer. and endures through every... Are you moving on? I was going to move on. Can I say something? Please do. Yeah, i got to be quick with you. Okay, hope's all things. I just want to give you some um, tools here. And I wrote this down last night, actually. It's that my hope increases as my reading of the word of God increases. Right. I'm going to say that again. My hope increases as my reading of the word of God increases. Um, and I've noticed that in my life, if, if I'm in a tough season, 
that my reading of the word of God needs to increase. Yeah. Amen. Um, and, and I wrote here, I cannot read God's promises without having my hope tank filled up. If you're in a season where you're believing for your spouse, you need to have your hope tank filled up so that your faith has something to attach itself to. We need hope, but if we're believing God, if, if, you know, when we went through a tough season, you know, and say, like, you were believing God for me in that season, if your tank of hope wasn't filled up, it would be hard for you to have your faith to attach itself to because you would have just been like, I'm going to give up. This is the end. Nothing's ever going to change. But as you stood on the promises of God, you were able to have your faith attach itself to something. So I want to encourage you guys, all of us here in this room and those listening, that if you're going through a hard season, Harder seasons require more reading of the word of God. It requires more spending of the time, you know, in the word of God so that we are not losing hope. Right. Amen. That's because right. nobody's going to give me hope like Jesus. That's right. And even like naturally, like practically, you know, you, you burn the most gas in your vehicle climbing a hill. That's very good. Right. And yeah. so as you climb that hill, you've got to step down on your gas pedal to give it more gas to cause your engine to keep pushing up the hill, which then in turn causes more gas to be burnt, right? It's, it, it takes more from you. But in those seasons, yes. you've got to continue to fill yourself up with something to stand strong on and to have hope and faith in. Totally. I think, you know, a litmus test of when you're going through a hard time is what's coming out of your mouth. Yeah. Let me say that again. Because when you're squeezed, what when we're squeezed, when we're under pressure, <laughs> when we're under pressure, you know, What's funny. in a, it was funny, was wasn't funny. it? Surprisingly. Um, but when we're squeezed, what comes out of us when we're squeezed is what's inside of us, you know? So if you're hearing stuff that doesn't sound like Jesus, that doesn't sound like the word of God, yeah. that's the cue to you by the Holy Spirit. You got to right. get your hope tank filled up. Yeah. Amen. That's right. So love is patient. Love is kind. Love is a believer. And the last thing here I want to look at in verse 8, and we're going to read verse 13 as well. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Verse 13 says, three things will last forever. We all know this, faith, hope, and love. Then it goes on and says, the greatest of these is love. Love is forever. Now, this is probably where we got the idea from happily ever after, right? This is probably where it initially came from. But the happily ever after in the world is not the same happily ever after that we find in the word of God. Love lasts for forever, but the love that lasts for forever is a sacrificial love that requires you to continually lay yourself down. It's not what I receive from Jen. It's not what Jen does for me. It's not how Jen makes me feel. It is continually me laying my life down for Jen and, and being a servant and sacrificing my desires, my thoughts, my plans for her. That's what love is. Love is sacrifice. John 3.16 says that God so loved that he gave. Amen. Right? So love is us giving of ourselves, And it is forever. It's not a temporary love. It's not like, you know, you hear people say, we got a divorce because I fell out of love. Right. Well, love is not an emotion that you fall into and fall out of. I hate to burst people's bubble. Right. But the truth is, is that love is work. Love, 1 John 4 says that God is... So if God is love, then you can't fall into love and you can't fall out of love because it's the characteristic of God. And God doesn't fall in and out of love with you, does he? No. 
And so love lasts forever. And I love how it says that the greatest of these is love. And I was thinking about this. I was like, well, why is the greatest of these love? And the greatest of these is love because God is love. And so as we walk a married life, what we are really doing is learning and being taught how to be more Christ-like in our marriage. Marriage is the vehicle for you to have Christ formed in you. It's how he works in you. It's how he works in your flesh because marriage causes you constantly to lay down your own desires, your own feelings, your own thoughts, whatever it is you want. It causes you to lay those things down for somebody other than yourself, which is what the whole gospel story is really about, isn't it? Love lasts forever. Um, and I was talking about reading the word of God, but I want to add something here, and I want to talk about the Holy Spirit for a minute. You know, who was at the Holy, anybody here who was at the Holy Spirit? It was so powerful and so wonderful, and I'm just loving and so thankful for what God is doing this season. But practically, Jude 20 says, but you, beloved, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keeping yourselves in the love of God as you await for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring eternal life. We know in John it says, in this world you will have trouble, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Is that Jesus gave us tools to help us. He didn't just leave us alone and abandon us. And one of the tools that the Lord, I want to say tools, but things that the Lord, persons that the Lord left us with was the Holy Spirit, who's the helper, who will lead us into all truth. But Jesus said it was better that I go. It's a quote, that's what Jesus said, so that the Holy Spirit would come. And I just want to practically say to married couples, is praying the Spirit a lot. I'm going to say that again. Pray in the spirit a lot. You know, especially when you're going through the challenging seasons, it's going to quiet your soul down. Okay, these are just practicals, but they're good practicals. Yeah. So what she's saying here, Galatians 5 verse 16 says, walk in the spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. So So if you're finding yourself in a hot conversation with your spouse, maybe you just need to stop talking English and start speaking in tongues. (laughs) (laughs) That'll that'll change the atmosphere real quick because your spouse will be like, what's happening right now? But, but that's what Galatians says, walk in the spirit. So you got to walk in the spirit. you got to be walking like what you're talking about. Totally. you got to walk in the spirit. Then when you're doing that, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. And what are the lusts of the flesh in, in that situation? It's not like doing bad stuff. It's like I'm going to cuss you out. I'm going to say things I shouldn't say. It's, it's, it's whatever your emotions, your natural fleshy emotions are feeling, when you begin to pray in the spirit and you begin to walk in the spirit, you won't act those things out. Right, and to remember, I mean, I might have said this already, but I'll repeat myself again, is to remember in the moments, you know, in walking in marriage, is that we actually have to act like Christians. <laughs> I'm going to say that again. I actually have to act like a Christian. And when I fall short, I actually need to go back and apologize and ask for forgiveness. Amen? Um, but I added this too. Interaction with the Holy Spirit will enable you to operate on a level far above your own abilities. Let me say that again, okay? So this is when things are getting heated. Interaction, okay? I want to say daily interaction with the Holy Spirit will enable us to walk on a level that we were created to live. You have to remember that we're not from here, okay? And also for some of us who are going through woundedness, I felt felt, um, impressed to say this. Um, One of the things that praying in the Holy Spirit will do for me too is that will reveal things that are in my heart. Okay, because the enemy can be real sneaky about keeping stuff in our heart and then you can like keep fighting about something and it's like it just keeps coming up, it keeps coming up and it's like why does stuff keep coming up? It's because there's something that is hidden that's not being revealed and it needs to be revealed because whatever gets revealed gets healed, right? 
right? So it says, it will, so I wrote here um, that it will help reveal any bitterness or unforgiveness that I might be carrying and that I'm not able to identify on my own clearly, but the Holy Spirit will help identify that so that it can be confessed and so that it can be healed, you know? And I, and I will say this, unforgiveness can kill you. Yeah. Let me say that again. Unforgiveness can kill you. Okay, so you're like, wow, this is a really encouraging message, Pastor Jenny, you know. But forgiveness also is a mighty, mighty healer, you know. And for us to be walking in the fullness that our marriage or that God does designed and destined our marriage to be, one of the biggest things is walking in forgiveness to one another, you know. Again, it comes back to so simply, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave, you know, and one of the things that Jesus said on the cross, one of the last things, Father, forgive them, yeah. you know, and these are the things that we need to remember, that it all comes back to the gospel of, of Jesus Christ, you know, it, it's, it's simple, but we make it so complicated because we, we fail to sometimes practice these simple things called love. Uh, let's stand up together. Um, you know, <clears throat> our culture has such a mindset of there's always an out, right? There's always an out. This isn't working. I'm going to take an out. We're going to get divorced. We're going to separate. We're going to do whatever. But if we, as believers, make sure our mindset is the Lord's mindset, which means there is no out in our relationships. There is no out in our marriage. When you make a covenant, it's a covenant for life. And and I'm not, you know, like, if you've been divorced, that's, there's, you know, there's, that's fine. There's, there's stuff sometimes is out of your control and but what I'm talking about is when you have that mindset it changes the way that you look at everything else it changes the way that you look at your marriage if you don't go into your marriage saying if this doesn't work I've got it out if you go into your marriage saying I'm in this for the long haul I'm going to do whatever I have to do to make it work. It changes the way you think about your spouse. It changes how much you're willing to forgive them or how much you want to hang on to the hurts and the wounds. It changes what you think about other people. It changes what you look at. It changes what you think about because you realize I'm spending the rest of my life. I'm going to do everything in my power to spend the rest of this life with this person. And so it changes your view of what marriage and relationships look like. And so I want to take just a moment, and I want to pray for us, and I want to pray that, that we begin to walk in, in real love, that we begin to not just think about what love is not, but we begin to think about what love is. And as we think about our spouses, our future spouses, our current spouses, or you know, that we begin to walk in what love looks like, and not just focusing on all the hearts and the, and the hardships we've had to endure. And so I'd like you to close your eyes and I'm just gonna pray for just a moment. And I just want you to receive the grace because I believe there is a grace from the Spirit of God to be husbands and to be wives that he has called us to be. That we can have marriages that are testimonies to the world and that testify about God and his goodness. And so Father, I thank you right now in the name of Jesus for every person in this place whether they're married right now, whether they be married one day or whether they're on the other side of a marriage, Father. But I thank you right now that you are switching our, our mind's eye and our focus from staring at the things that love is not, but God, you are putting in our heart the things that love is.
that we shift from having a negative mindset to having a positive mindset, where we begin to think about what love looks like and how we can begin to walk more fully in what your love is in every situation. God, I thank you for grace and for strength for every person here that is currently married, Jesus. I thank you that you are teaching them how to love their spouse the way that you have called us to love them, God, that, that we're seeing our spouse with your eyes, that we're not looking at them through the eyes of hurts and wounds and offenses, that we're not looking at them through the eyes of the past, God, but we are loving them the way that you see them, Jesus, and that we're going to be like goldfish, and that right now, if there are hurts and wounds in our hearts that we've hung on to, God, I just ask for the grace to, to let go of those things. And if you're here in this place today right now and you have hung on to things, that there are things that your spouse has done to you that you've never fully let go of, that you've embraced and you've hung on to them. I just want you to take the chance right now to give those things to God. And just uh, in your mind's eye and in your heart, just say, God, I release these things to you. I let go of these things. I'm not hanging on to them anymore. I'm forgetting the past and I'm looking ahead to the future. Father, I thank you that there are great days ahead that this house will be a house that is filled with marriages that will testify of your goodness. That people that are getting married will be testimonies about you and your love. That people that are married, that they will be walking around declaring the goodness of God. Father, I thank you that if there are people that are here that are walking through a hard season in their marriage, God, that I pray right now that your Holy Spirit comes down into the very middle of that relationship and that love is the bond of perfection and begins to reunite and reignite things that, that were dead and cold and begins to burn fresh and that there is hurts and wounds that are gone right now in the name of Jesus. We speak life to things that may look dead on the outside because you are a miracle worker. Jesus, we love you. We're so thankful for who you are, for all you're doing. In your name we say, amen, amen, amen. Well, I think the worship team is gonna continue to worship for a minute. If you need prayer for anything, we got people that are gonna be up here praying and believing God with you. Prayer changes everything. And sometimes you need somebody else to come alongside and pray and believe God to strengthen you, to encourage you, to walk that road with you. If you need prayer for anything, come on down. These guys can pray for you. We've got young adults tonight. We've got church next Sunday. Enjoy your long weekend. Leave this place walking in love, remembering what love is. Forget about what love's not. That's too easy to remember. Think about what love is in your life. Have a great rest of your Sunday. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that his spirit, his love, and his life are filling you right now. If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.